Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello and welcome to Off The Beat and Track podcast. I'm your host, I'm Stu Whiffin. It's another week, therefore it's another episode. Today's episode, I talked to singer-songwriter Louis Dunford and it's great I mean, the first track we just we we just go off on one. Um, yeah, he's 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 a top lad, and uh, and you're in for a treat uh, for today. And you're also going to uh, <clears throat> hear me have a the most ridiculous coughing fit and try and stifle it uh, towards the end. Like uh, <laughs> I don't know what was going on, but uh, at two different points in this, I'm just thinking, God, I've got a really really tickly throat, and it's like, don't start coughing or you won't stop. So. Um, you might want to uh, take your headphones out for a little bit whilst I'm uh, literally sort of uh, <laughs> coughing, coughing my lungs up uh, uh, the other side of the room, trying to stay away from the mic. Um, but yeah, like I said, this is a great chat, and uh, and and and, and Louis's got some spirit and some great chat in him. And uh, and as he's, he's he mentioned, um, it's his first ever podcast as well, so. Uh, Feel quite privileged to uh, to uh, to to be part of him breaking his podcast duck. So that was great. Um, if this is your first time listening to Off the Beaten Track, then um, when you get to the end of today's episode, go and explore the back catalogue because you can hear me talking about music with some incredible people. Uh, you can hear me talking to the Foo Fighters, uh, to Motley Crue, Suede Idols. Sleaford Mods, <clears throat> um, the, the list goes on. If you like your actors, Maxine Peake, uh, Amanda Abington, uh, Mark Bonner, Michael Smiley, uh, gosh, there's loads. Comedians, Ed Gamble, James Acaster. Um, oh, go and have a rummage in the archives. You'll find one that tickle your fancy, I promise you. Um uh, a few thank yous. Thanks to 76 for producing this. Thanks to Sarah for reaching out and organising this chat. Um, thanks uh, to Scroobius Pip and everybody at the Distraction Pieces Network, which this podcast is very proud to be part of. Um, and I think that's it. Um, I'll see you at the end uh, once I've had my little coffin fit. But in the meantime, enjoy today's episode with the wonderful Louis Dunford. Sorry, I've interrupted the podcast, but with good reason. 
Hotel Chocolat are our sponsors. You know that now because I tell you about it every episode. But they've been super kind now. And you may have heard me talking about the products from the cacao bar and there's gins, cream liqueurs, all sorts of wonderful chocolatey goodies. Um, And what they've done is they've set a page up on the website that you can go to. And all you've got to do is just for you off the beaten track listeners, go over there, answer a question, and you could win the full range delivered to your front door. I mean, that's kind of them. All you have to do is go to this place, hotelchocolat.com forward slash OTBT podcast. That's OTBT as in off the beaten track podcast, hotelchocolat.com forward slash OTBT podcast. Go get your grubby little mitts on some deliciously chocolatey drinks, courtesy of our sponsors, Hotel Chocolat. I'll get back to the podcast. It's off the beat and track podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. With me, Stu Whiffin. Okay, we are recording. How are you doing today? What's happening, mate? You good? Yeah. How's things? It's it's all right. I'm. Uh, the sun's been shining this week, which makes a uh, makes a big difference. Where whereabouts are you today? Uh, I'm just at home. I live like in North London in the Angel. Oh right, nice. Oh, so not too far. Yeah. No, the we- yeah, the weather has been nice, ain't it? I've, um, I'm actually just coming out the other side of having, uh, I've finally got COVID. Oh, so really? I've literally, yeah, the sun come out just as I weren't allowed to leave my gaff. So I've, I've been, I've been watching it <laughs> through the window from, from bed. Do you know what I mean? Um, and now it's fucked off as, I, as I've come out. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it's, yeah, I, I'm feeling all right. Though. I'm feeling sweet now. Touch wood. Did you but, um, kind of, did you kind of sort of have a, a mild case or was you on your back? Um, you know what I was for the first day I thought oh fucking hell this is gonna be it. like I couldn't move. Do you know what I mean? Like getting out of bed to to go and use the loo was was even a struggle. Um, but literally the day after that I, I've been touch wood I've not been too bad. The one thing is the taste thing. Hmm. It's been a fucking nightmare. So five days in, my taste and my smell went and. Um, I'm a greedy bastard, do you know what I mean? Like, I enjoy <laughs> my food and that. And I, it, I'm not being able to enjoy, like, even have, a, like, a cup of tea or, or a yeah. beer or something. It's been a nightmare. But it, touch wood, it, grad, it seems to be coming back gradually. I've been doing, like, I've been chewing ginger and drinking lemon juice and smelling garlic and everything that, <laughs> that I've, I've, I've Googled online. Um, but apart, apart from, like, occasionally I feel like I've got a bit of jet lag and I need to go and have a kip. Yeah. Uh, that sort of creeps up on me randomly. I, I get a bit exhausted if I go out and do a bit of... Like, I went to the gym for the first time yesterday and when I come back, I just kind of... That was it. I was fucked for the rest of the night. Yeah. Um, but apart from that, touch wood, I weren't, I weren't too bad. Because I was a bit nervous because I've got quite bad asthma and stuff. So I thought, oh, shit, here we go. Um, but <laughs> touch wood didn't seem to... I, I sort of got away with it, I think. Not too bad. So, how did you find like lockdown as a uh, as well as, as a human and as a as an artist? Like, how, how did you sort of find that time, that eighteen months, which thankfully we seem to be, you know, yeah. out of now? I like um, I, I to be honest, I, I fucking hated it. Like, I could not, I could not get on with it whatsoever. Mm. Um, it kind of 
the lockdowns kicked the shit out of me mentally. I'm not going to lie. Like, you know, uh, I, I just, it, it drove me insane. I sort of, um, <clears throat> creatively as well, I'm not going to lie. Like, it was, it was mad because I, I, I literally, I became, so I've been doing music for 10 years and I only just became, like, I just signed a deal in lockdown, like, as it started. So I became, like, a professional musician as the world basically went on. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> and I, I'd been sort of gigging nonstop for, like, 10 years and, and playing anywhere that would have me and stuff like that. And then literally as I became, like, an actual, like, you know, I started doing it full time, I was just told to go and sit indoors all day. And I remember my manager saying to me, he was like, this is fucking brilliant. Like, you're going to just, you'll, you'll come out of this with, like, three albums worth of material or something. But I could not, for the life of me, at that, that first, I'd say the first six months, I couldn't even touch a guitar or a piano. I don't know what it was. It was just like I all of a sudden had all the time in the world and I just, my brain just wouldn't let me do it. It was mad. I'd always been, I'd always had a job, finished at six or seven, gone home and then done this thing as an hobby. Do you know what I mean? And all of a sudden, yeah, like I was told to do it full time, but also that I, I weren't really... No one was doing anything. Like you, that was right when it was proper mm. intense and you were supposed to leave the gaff for like an hour a day to have a little walk or something and spend the rest of the time indoors. But uh, yeah, I, I, and then on a, on a sort of personal level, like my, my mental health just went through the fucking floor. Mm. I, I, I was, uh, I just kind of felt like I was floating. Do you know what I mean? Like I was kind of just keeping, just about keeping my head above the water. I weren't like thriving. I was just getting through things day to day. Uh, just doing anything to kind of keep my brain ticking over and keep my mind occupied and not letting it kind of uh, start winding myself up too much. You know what I mean? Um, but I know I know so many people, so many friends of mine that are like, oh, you know, they were almost sad to see the back of it. They'd really, really? kind of, fr- yeah. Like I know a few people that had like thrived in it, especially because as well, like I'm, I'd what I'd say that I'm quite sort of introverted. I'm quite. Uh, I don't know. I like my own space. I like my own time. I like my own company. But I, I couldn't. I couldn't get on with it. But I got other mates like that who were like, "Oh my god!" Like not having to go to the office has been a fucking godsend. Working from home has been amazing. Or yeah, creatives as well. So many like people that I know that do music or or um, or, or writing. They were like, "Oh, it's been amazing. Just being indoors all day. Just sort of." Uh, cracking on with things but yeah i've really i mean i'm luckily like i'd say halfway through i don't know what happened but i sort of managed to get myself into a space where i where i where i, I was quite sort of prolific for for me because i'm quite slow at like writing tunes and that but um I, I i kind of all of a sudden pulled out quite a lot of material uh which was which was good so it's half and half the other half of the lockdown i, I managed to get into some studios and do some of the best recording i've ever done this like um and I, I did some of the best writing I've ever done at home as well. But the f- at the first, the first part of it was a real struggle for me. Mm. I really, really, really didn't like it. Um, and oh, I, I totally still, agree. I totally yeah, agree, man. Do yeah, yeah. Like, it, it, it freaked me out. All I've ever wanted to do is like, you know, aside from the podcast, I I, I run a nightclub and like, and, I, and I'm generally oh, sort of spinning yeah. quite a few plates. And yeah, and all I ever wanted to do was try and <clears throat> put myself in a position where. I could work off my laptop and I could live anywhere. That's all yeah. I wanted to do. Just think, right, well, okay, I just want to be somewhere where I can just like, I can move to here if I want to. And, and all of my job is done on my laptop. 
that got thrust upon me. Yeah. And I didn't fucking like it. Yeah. I was like, I thought this is what I wanted. And I was like, nah, I like yeah. people. No, <laughs> I, yeah. I, I, think, I think a lot of people, I think the st- at the start of it, there was a novelty, weren't there? Oh, of and course. Be, like with, with me, even with me, like with me as well, like, I just hit the booze. I'm not going to lie. Oh, Do you know mate. what I mean? I, I, I literally <laughs> went airport mode for like, for like yeah. about six airport weeks, mode. mate. <laughs> yeah. No, literally, everyone I knew was like, I was having Zooms about fucking five days a week and everyone's just cracking <laughs> yeah. on on the Zooms. You know what I mean? I had some of the wildest nights of my life sat in my fucking front room on Zoom calls everyone else. You know what I mean? Um, but it soon, once, the, yeah, the, the novelty of that kind, because at first I thought, oh, okay, yeah, maybe this will be, this will be blinding. I'll just sort of sit indoors. I'll fuck the world off for a little while. I'll come off social media. I'll, uh, I'll write some tunes. I'll write an album. I'll do this and that. And the reality was, after about two, three weeks of it, I was off my fucking head. Do you know what I mean? I was knitting. I was doing anything like to keep my brain <laughs> occupied. I had these fucking visions of me like delivering <laughs> like, three albums worth of material. I thought he was going to say boxes of cardigans, just fucking knitting. <laughs> Literally, <laughs> I should have. I started on the merch. That's what I should have done. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I really, I'm, I'm so glad to see the back of it I, I was one of them kind of people that like I got emotional like the first time I got back in the pub you know what I mean yeah. like it was a big deal for me like yeah. I couldn't I, I was I struggled all the way through it um, and just being able to go and see my family um, I'm a big family person and it, yeah I, I, I really 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 struggled with it I'm, I'm so glad it's over I, I think really, that that initial would, thing that you said there about like, you know, there's a novelty for like three weeks because I think we're so used to thinking any problem in the world is going to kind of be done and dusted in like, you know, five, six weeks and then it'd be back. Yeah. And then I think, oh, yeah. you know, a few months in, you start to think, oh, old tight, this, this ain't going away. Like, mm. And I think that's when it really starts to, it was starting to get to a lot of people. It certainly did me. I was just thinking, I can't see a light at the end of the tunnel here. Like, yeah. when's this going to be done? Like, yeah. When they, just relentless, weren't it? Oh, they pulled all that shit out of Christmas. I was like, "Oh, mate, yeah, this ain't good." Like, that Christmas, that 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 will stick. That will stick in my head as like one of the most uh, difficult periods I think ever. Mm-hmm. That Christmas when, because as well, like I remember when we first went into lockdown. Even though it was what was it like March or April, it was still very much. All of a sudden, it felt like we were in summer. Do you know what I mean? And it was like it. There was something about it that that helped a little bit. But when we went in in that Christmas and it was getting dark by like fucking four o'clock in the afternoon, bleak, do you know what I mean? Bleak. It it was so bleak, wasn't it? It was <laughs> it was an absolute fucking nightmare. That 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 was one of the the roughest periods for me. Yeah. That, that that sort of Christmas time, that winter. Oh mate. Well, we'll pick back up on on <laughs> on what what's happened. Post start lockdown, on, start the podcast uh, <laughs> on a nice happy note. <laughs> well, we, we we always start the playlist uh, with a song with the greatest ever intro. So, yeah. uh, can you let me know what you've gone for? Um, I struggled with this. I'm not going to lie. This is the one I that had, everyone struggles with, mate. This one, uh, mate. I had a few. Well, I had a list of like a few honourable mentions. Yep, you uh, can throw them out there. Oh, well, I was I was just toying with. Well, 
I think I went with... Did I go with Bittersweet Symphony? Yeah. By the Verve? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I ended up going with that, but it was a toss-up between that and I almost picked As Soon As Now by the Smiths, <sighs> um, which is like... It's probably... I don't know, it's just one of my, it's like It's one of the best songs ever, ever, ever made, I think. Um, I was also close with, like... I was thinking of Come Together at one point by the Beatles. Um... I Want to Be Adored was another one that I almost went with. Give Me Shelter by uh, The Stones. I thought, you know, like you whack that on when you're walking down the street and you just all of a sudden you're like a main character in a Scorsese movie, do you know what I mean? Same with Bittersweet Symphony, man. Yeah, you know. yeah, 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 yeah. They're very, they're like, they're like, I don't know, main character songs, aren't they? You put them on Don't and it's them. like, all of a sudden you're the, you're, you're the lead in the movie. Um, but I picked Bittersweet Symphony just because it like it's just a mood changer that song i think i think everyone has them sort of tunes that they go to when they're having like a particularly shitty day and that's one of my ones uh oh, fuck it. it blows my mind every time i hear it it really does i always think like i'd have loved to have been in the room when like they delivered that do you know what i mean <laughs> imagine hearing that for because it's so sort of you know there's not a I, I don't know anyone that don't know that tune now do you know what i mean it's everywhere isn't it um but like when it Imagine being there in the room when they, they yeah. first played that to like, you know, whoever they were playing it to at the time. It's just it's just unbelievable. Um but yeah, it was close. I'd say I said tie between that and as soon as now. You you chose two songs there. Um yeah. that both How Soon Is Now and Bittersweet Symphony don't sound like any other song by the Smiths or by the Verve. Yeah. Like, um, yeah, yeah, that's true, isn't it? Uh, and when you when you oh, you mentioned the Rosies, because I always say this for Fool's Gold as well. Fool's Gold don't sound mm. like anything else the Rosies done. And them songs like How Soon Is Now that could come out tomorrow, right? And yeah. no one, you can't put a date on that. It's sat, sonically, it's just from out of space. The same with yeah. Bittersweet Symphony. You know, mm. there's lots of stuff on them. You know, them earlier uh, Verve albums that sound of its time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sweet Symphony, How Soon Is Now. They don't. They, they exist yeah. somewhere else. And there's something mm. very sort of chest out about Bittersweet Symphony. I think it's just got some bravado about it and it's just got something empowering about it. Do you know what, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, massively. And you know what's weird as well, though? It's like I feel like I've had sort of the same experience with How Soon Is Now, but like the recording of it, you, I, don't, I can't explain what I mean. I, I guess it changes when you see it live because I've seen As Soon Is Now played a couple times by Morrissey. Mm-hmm. I've seen it played by Johnny Marr, obviously mm-hmm. not together. Um, but live, it almost takes on this other, this other kind of um, meaning for people. Like being in a crowd of thousands of people that are all screaming like, I'm human and I need to be loved just like everybody else does. It suddenly is this... Because it, it's almost like an anthem for, I don't know, like the introverts when you listen to the recording. But live, it becomes this kind of anthemic, like, sort of chest out, almost the same kind of vibe as, like, Bittersweet Symphony, but for the, the weirder people. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, what I mean? No, absolutely. Absolutely, 100%. And that's what, I mean, I, I'm 48. I, I grew up obsessed with Morrissey and obsessed with, and like, you know, Johnny Marr thinks the greatest guitar genius has ever walked this planet. Yeah, and, same. And all of that 
you know, being that that kid that didn't quite fit in with the cool kids, you know, I'd, yeah. I'd you know, you'd listen to their Morrissey lyrics and it'd be like, oh yeah, that's all right. There's there's yeah. another gang. I want to be in this gang. Yeah, 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 you know? yeah. And that's what makes the stuff he's talking about now just so weird. I just don't get it, and it, yeah, it just busts me up that like this guy that was the spokesperson for the outcasts and the weird and wonderful he's now saying some really odd things in the press and mm. i don't know if it's some elaborate weird dark morrissey joke that yeah, no one's what... really getting but it yeah, doesn't seem very I... funny no i know it's bizarre isn't it, it uh, it's yeah it, it's so far away from because i i mean obviously so i'm 29 so i i weren't even alive when the smiths were together mm. um i actually found them on my own like my mum and dad they're not really like when when i when i got into the smiths like my dad kind of rediscovered them through me my dad was like oh i always thought they're a bunch of fucking weirdos you know what i mean like <laughs> <laughs> so he's kind of grown to have this new appreciation for him through through my love for him um but when i first like i think the fir- i think the first I think the first time I was ever kind of exposed to them, like I heard, it weren't even the Smiths, it was Morrissey's solo stuff. It was like, you know that tune, First of the Gang to Die? Yeah. I, I heard that somewhere. I can't remember when I was about 13, and I was like, oh, that's really cool. And then I, I can't remember where I found them, but one, I think it must have been online, like YouTube or something. And once once I, I, I saw what they looked like matched with, the sounds that they were creating and the lyrics that Morrissey was writing, it kind of, I remember feeling like the, like my, my little world of music had kind of almost uh, ended. Cause I, I remember thinking like, it's not going to get better than this for me. Yeah. You know what I mean, this is almost like someone's created music in a laboratory for me. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> He's is sonically like, you know, Guitar-wise, Johnny Marr is my favourite player, probably probably ever. Vocally, Morrissey's voice is like my favourite voice. Lyrically, his lyrics are my favourite lyrics. It's just like I had a real kind of... I don't know if I'll ever have a moment like that again, discovering a band. Yeah. And then I remember like naively thinking, well, I don't know, you know, no one seems to know about the Smiths. <laughs> when I was like, yeah. they should be big, you know. Yeah, these guys should be <laughs> massive. What happened to these? Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I know what you mean. So from from having that kind of uh, discovering when I was that age to to now, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know what the fuck he's up to. To be honest, oh, no. I know. I have to separate it. I have to separate. Yeah. The the music from and I can. I don't know if that makes me a fucking weirdo, but I, no. I, I, I do, the Smiths come on my 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 playlists or you know my Spotify every day, and I'm still just as in love with their music as I've ever been. Mate, absolutely, dude! I'm literally covered in Morrissey oh, lyrics, man. No way. <laughs> <It's> like... <laughs> Mate, I ain't got no tattoos, but if I did, they would all be they'd all be Smith lyrics everywhere. Do you know what I mean? But uh, but yeah, it's uh, it, it's just saying that I think you know, and, and it comes up regular on on this podcast. You know that that ability, you know, on, on people's you know different ways that some people can't separate the music from the artist uh, or the art from the artist, uh, mm. and some can. And you know, 
Michael Jackson gets brought up a hell of a lot on this podcast. You know, so many people grew up listening to Michael Jackson, but yeah. you know, and it's like, wow, oh, can you, would you, you know, can you still listen to it? Would you still play it in a room if people come round? And it's like, it's interesting getting people's different sort of perspectives on it. And yeah. there's no right or wrong. Do you know what I mean? It's all like, no, no, you know, no. it's, 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 it's art and it exists somewhere that I think, you know, is it, there to be enjoyed. And I think if you start really digging down into that, then so many artists, so many TV producers that have made, you know, where's it mm. stop? Do you know what I mean? I think no, yeah, no. It's, uh, it? it's, it's a real tricky one. But how soon is that? No one's ever going to tell me I can't listen to that, mate. No, it's great, man, isn't it? What a fucking tune. It, it really is. And not that people have ringtones like, anymore, but it's my ringtone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think Stuart, I'm sure it was Stuart Lee said, like, it's the it's the stairway to heaven of the indie world. Yeah. Which I think was pretty good. You yeah. know what I mean? Absolutely. It's a good way of describing it. Oh, I love it, man. And seeing it live is just amazing. Yeah. Absolutely amazing. So. A beautiful tune. Listen up. I've only got another new sponsor, Egg Fried. It's this super cool clothing label. And if you're into sort of skating and street art and gigging and, and kind of like really cool art and throwing a little bit of Asian culture and, and the designer's kind of weird sense of humour in the mix, then you're pretty much there with the wonderful world that is eggfried.com. Now, they do these amazing punchy kind of graphic tees, hoodies and sweatshirts, beautiful art prints, as well as this, they have a denim range, all handmade in-house, all supporting the slow fashion movement. Not only that, they have given you a discount code, 10% off when you head over to eggfried.com. Just use the code EGGSALAD, E-W-G-S-A-L-A-D, save 10%. Go and get lost in the world of egg fried. Also, they've got a new kids range, and it's called Small Fried, and it's super cool, super cute. Um, and again, it's all over there in this wonderful world. Go and get involved at eggfried.com. What are you making of the stuff that we've seen in the, the news the last couple of days that Rick Astley's now fronting Blossoms. Uh, oh, I see that. Doing Smith, uh, and they've announced two nights doing the music of the Smiths. Right. <clears throat> uh, well, funny enough, my mate was at the gig where he first come on stage. You know, the other night Rick yeah. Astley come on, and I think he played, from the video that my mate put up, I could see they were singing Panic, and I can't remember what this the other Charming Man. Was it This Charming Man? Yeah. And I'll, I'll mess, so he put it up on Instagram, just a video of, like, you know, like in a crowd with everyone yeah. screaming along. And I was like, who the fuck's that? I was like, who's singing with him? And he was like, Shrek Astley. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, <laughs> fucking hell. Um, but, I, mate, I would, I would love to see them tunes played live. 100%. Uh, mate, I, I mean, like I said, I've seen Johnny Marr, I've seen Morrissey, I've seen the both of them a couple times, and... As great as it is to see, you know, their solo stuff and their other work, it, it that, you know, people are there to see. They want to see the Smiths tunes. Do you know what I mean? All day long. And uh, I'd, I'd happily, I'd go see Rick Astley playing with the Blossoms. Hundred percent. They sounded really good. I thought it sounded great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'd, I'm up for that. Did you see it when um, the Killers bought Johnny out uh, at Glastonbury? Oh, and Glastonbury, this charming man. Yeah. See, I looked at that and I just thought, oh, Brandon Flowers, he's nailing that vocal. I was thinking, mm-hmm. that'd yeah. be decent. Uh, I'd have a bit yeah. of that. A hundred percent. I've seen, they've done, 
I think when they played Manchester a couple of years ago, they did like a there is a light that never goes out cover as well. Oh, really? And, and he sings it. They do good covers to Killers. Mm. They also they did like the Hole of the Moon by the Water Boys. Oh, such a tune anyway. But they're, I saw that. Yeah, they're, so they're, good. Re, but they 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 do really really good covers. Well, they um, brought Pet Shop Boys out of Glastonbury as well, didn't they? Yeah, and, yeah, uh, yeah. That always on my mind. That that like. I, I don't know what it is about the killers. I've got a few mates that just won't have it with them. I don't know what it is. They're just like, nah, 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 fuck the killers, man. I think it's because they're quite, like, it's almost like, it makes me think of, like, it's almost, it's like very sort of dramatic, isn't it? And it's mm. very, like, flamboyant. And, and I don't know, some of the mates just, I'm, like, the, the tunes are fucking great, I think. I think they're really good songwriters. And a- Absolutely. I thought their Glastonbury set was fucking wicked. Well, this is what I, I think, right? And I think, <clears throat> like, I, I, I DJ, like, my, my indie club, like, every week and have done for nigh on 30 years. I never yeah. really need to hear Mr. Brightside ever again, right? <laughs> no, no, no. But I imagine that. I saw them do, they don't Glastonbury, but they've done a Glastonbury warm-up on one of the smaller stages as well. Yeah. And I saw them play Mr. Brightside, and they played it like a band, like playing one of their first gigs, and like where they just threw everything at it, and it just completely changed the way that I thought about that song. I was just like, "Yeah, oh, they're playing this with like such energy and passion." Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They've probably gone through the motions a few times. It's inevitable when you're that big and that song's that famous. But I, I was lucky. I got to speak to uh, Dave Kenny, the guitarist from the, the Killers, on this podcast. Oh, did uh, you? And I just thought. Is he going to pick Brightside for intro? He's got to, because it's such an iconic intro yeah. now. And you always think, Hassoon is now Stairway, and all of these kind of iconic songs from yeah, back yeah. in the day. But that's probably nigh on 20 years old now, and he's yeah, a, a classic me, isn't now, isn't it? It's like... Yeah, yeah, massively. Uh, I see him at, like, what was the festival I went to? When we were, we were only young, me and my pals. Must have been about 16. And they were fucking great. Mm. I, I, like live, I, I, you know, they've got they've got them sort of anthems, ain't they? That mm. even if you're not a fan, you're gonna fucking have a great time. Do you know what I mean? They make me think a bit of like I know they're different, but like you know, like Coldplay. Like I went to see them because I live in the Angel. They play at they played at the Emirates a couple of years back, and like I don't listen to Coldplay ever. Mm. Do you know what I mean? But they were fucking unbelievable, mm. like live, and I knew every fucking tune because yeah. they're they're that successful. They're you know yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. But I feel like that a bit of, with the Killers. It's like they're they're a reliable like headliner at a festival. You're gonna go and have a good time, aren't you? Hundred percent. You're all gonna scream along and fucking be covered in piss Absolutely. within twenty minutes. You know what I mean? If the Killers are playing, um, that was one of the first festivals I ever went to. I tell um, you what. Like, if you you love or hate Coldplay, the documentary on Prime about the story of them, I think it's yeah. like Head Full of Dreams or something like that, if you like watching a music documentary, yeah, that is I've spectacular. never seen that. I'm not it's a big good, yeah. Coldplay fan, but it's one of the best music docs I've ever seen. Like, oh, really, really interesting. Like, right. Somebody was filming, like, their gigs at, like, the Bull and Gate and the Dublin Castle, like, where oh, they're really? literally, yeah. like, carrying their stuff in and putting it on crates and they've got <laughs> it from the very first gig to like obviously these huge stadiums now it's yes yeah, definitely worth a watch oh, mate. track on, two yeah. 
What what was what it's is it again? The first song that you remember hearing that had an emotional impact on you, please. Okay. Uh I was trying to think with this one. And I, I think I was quite happy with my answer because it's the first song you can remember, right? Um that that made you upset. And I went with My Way by Frank Sinatra. Uh, simply because it's like it's just like the theme tune for death in my family. Do you know what I mean? Like it's uh I'm yet to go to like a family funeral or a wake or a friend's funeral where that tune ain't played. And uh, so now it's like tied to saying goodbye to loved ones for me. So it obviously makes me emotional now. But like, I think it must be one of the first tunes that ever made me emotional because it's always been that way with my family. Like I'm from a quite a big family in, in North London and just growing up, I mean, still now, just any excuse to have a party, do you know what I mean? Like, just forever having parties for every fucking occasion you can imagine, you know what I mean? Like New Year's Eve and birthdays, and we used to have St. George's Day parties. Half of my family are Irish, so we'd have St. Patrick's Day parties. I mean, just any excuse for a booze up. And them sort of, like, you know, like hiring out, like, a school hall or, like, a, a church hall or whether it was, like, ass parties and that... And you bring your own drink and all them sort of things, you know what I mean? Sing Common Eileen. And then uh, always my way would come on. And I'd just remember, I mean, like, this is like, I'd say I was maybe six. I'm trying to think of the earliest time I can remember. But I just, I always think, I always remember sort of vividly that song would come on and the atmosphere in the room would change, you know what I mean? Like my aunties would start crying and my nan would start getting emotional and, all the fellas would start making toasts and raising glasses and stuff. Do you know what I mean? Um, and like, we'd all gather around and sing it. And I remember being like, I don't know, I must've been six. I'd say about that age thinking, not, not being aware that it's because it's tied to death for my family, but just being aware that, Oh, this is the tune that comes on and makes everyone sad. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. So I think it must, unless I was used to get, you know, teary-eyed listening to Twinkle Twinkle Little Star in the cot or something, you know what I mean? I think that must be the earliest emotional impact to tune that on me. And it was simply because I was I would I was a kid watching my family kind of get emotional. Not yeah. quite comprehending yet why they'd get emotional when that song come on. But seeing everyone start crying together. Um and it still happens now, do you know what I mean? Now it's like now fucking feels like a hundred funerals have gone past since them days yeah. where that song's again tied to each person that we said goodbye to. Um, <clears throat> to the point of where, like, if it comes on and people ain't ready for it, do you know what I mean? Like, if it comes on on the radio in the car, everyone's like, no, 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 like, turn it off, get it off, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it has to be <clears throat> sort of announced at a party, my way's coming on in five minutes, do you know what I mean? Brace, <laughs> go get, brace yourself. Go fill up, fill up your drink, you know what I mean? That sort of thing. Um, yeah. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. 
There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Yeah, that, must be, that must be the first tune that, that I can think of. Well, we're going to stay in the formative years. And for track okay. three, I'm going to ask you to tell me uh, the song that reminds you of your time at school, please. Um, I can't remember the specific track, but it'll be from one of the first two Eminem records. I think it's... Uh, it's either like Real Slim Shady or or anything off of, like, the Marshall Mavers LP. That was, like, when um, I remember... I have, like, really... I've got, like, my best friend, Sam. We've been friends since we were in nursery together. Um... You're, you're right. Yeah, we <laughs> ain't COVID, mate. Oh, just just making sure I ain't passed it through to you through the microphone or something. Do you know what I mean? <clears throat> um, no, I remember we, we, me and my boys have been pals since literally since we were in nursery. And one day, my mate Sam come in and he was like, oh, "You got to listen to this this guy Eminem." And this is like I worked it out. So that album came out in like the year two thousand or something. So it's literally fucking twenty one years ago. Yeah, and I was only eight at the time and I re-listened to it the other day and I was thinking fucking hell what That's was I doing music for an eight year old. listening to this at eight years of age yeah and like he came in I'm sure he had it on a Walkman and was playing it to us all and it's the perfect you know when you're a kid it's like it's the right amount of like you know you've got the real Slim Shady which is just ridiculous do you know what I mean and it's like comical and then there's also really quite sinister creepy stuff do you know what I mean and then there's like Stan. Like I was listening to Stan the other day thinking, fuck me, this must have twisted my head when I was a kid. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Um, and then it, it's obviously, it's just got every other word a swear word, which mm. is amazing when you're a kid, isn't it? It's what yeah. you fucking love. And I remember going home to my dad and being like, oh, can you buy me this, this CD? And I don't think he at the time even realised what it was. He probably wouldn't have got it for me because the content, you know what I mean? But I think he was just buzzing that I wanted a fucking to listen to music yeah. and he went and bought it for me and, and that was it then me and my mates were obsessed with it like we'd have our little uh, we'd, we'd write our little raps in the playground do you know what I mean like eight nine years old and we're all sort of sat there listening to listening to Eminem all day for our lunch breaks and that's only only when we were really young and then we even I mean we've got this story I don't know if it's appropriate for a podcast but like because it's quite dark but it's not that dark but like we were so obsessed with, with Eminem. I remember we all got, like, buzz cuts, do you know what I mean? Like, as, as short as your hair could go, like, with the clippers, like, number one, number two and that. And then <clears throat> I remember one day my mate Sam, again, came in and he bought, 
you know, like Eminem had that famous bandana. It was like the white mm. one with like the black pattern on it. And that was it then, you know what I mean? Like I ran home to my dad that day and I was like, dad, like, I need a bandana. Like, we're going to have to fly up the market and get one. Do you know what I mean? And then there was just a group of us that would see it listening to Eminem in like tracksuits with shaved heads and bandanas all day at, at school. And then I remember my dad and my mate Sam's nan, Jeannie, they used to volunteer on the school trips, you know, like when the parents would come and help yeah. out. And one that year they took us to Cheserton World of Adventure. And um, me and my mates are there dressed as fucking Eminem in our bandanas. <laughs> and uh, the staff came up to my dad and they thought that we were with like a Make-A-Wish Foundation or something. They thought we were like ill because... <laughs> My dad would have to be like, no, no, they're just, they just like Eminem. You know I mean? <laughs> they're just into Eminem. <laughs> because we were there with our fucking shaved heads and our bandanas walking about, literally about seven of us at a theme park. My dad was like, fuck me. I thought, what, what am I gonna, how am I going to come out of this one? You know I mean? <laughs> it's so weird, though, that, that like, Eminem is like anyone that's been on this podcast that's kind of, you know, under sort of 30, Eminem's kind of almost their punk. Yeah. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. That was the thing that kind of shook it up. That was the thing that was controversial. That was the thing that was, you oh know, God, a, yeah. a new twist on, on, and it was a new twist on hip hop. You know, what he was doing was, you know, so fucking forward thinking and different. And, you know, and the obviously thing- you've got Dre involved. It's like, mm. you know, it, it, it it still stands up as well. Like when I was listening to it the other day, it's still fucking great. You know yeah. what I mean? It's mental, but it's brilliant. You know what I mean? And like, yeah, that I was, I've, it's, it's almost one of their memories, you know? And it's like, I can't really remember my life before that music yeah. was in it. Cause I was so, and I was quite shocked. It was only when like preparing for this and the questions were sent through that I went back to, to work out how old I actually was when I first listened to it. And I was so fucking young. Like, I've got an eight-year-old niece now. Do you know what I mean? There is not a chance that she would be allowed to listen to that. Do you know what I mean? Not a fucking chance. And and the, the funny thing is, like, it's even darker than you remember. Yeah. Because when I go back and listen to it now... Got older ears. Do you know what I mean? There's these lyrics and these concepts that were flying over my head when I was young. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like... I didn't, I didn't have a clue what most of it was he was even talking about. I just knew that he was saying fuck every other two, like every other minute, which yeah. I was, I just loved that. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> but no, definitely. I never really, I mean, it's weird to say that I'd never heard anything like it because my musical uh, education at that point was, was still in its infancy. But I definitely, I definitely not heard anything like it since. Do you know what I mean? Like from eight years old onwards, it was, it was just always kind of a, a pillar of my of my musical library. Do you know what I mean? That sort of stuff. What sort of music was on at home growing up? Like, did your folks have music on? Yeah, my my dad like introduced me to sort of. Um, he was into like sort of classic rock. My dad, do you know what I mean? It's like the, the sort of uh, just the, the normal. Like, he, he he showed me like Led Zeppelin. He got me into Queen. He got me into um, the Beatles, obviously, just all the kind of the uh, the usual suspects, you know what I mean? And then my mum was, like, really into, like, Motown and stuff. And uh, she got me into, like, 
people like David Bowie as well. And um, and then, yeah, to be honest, that was, I'd always kind of grown up with these, I'd say they're like godlike musicians, yeah. do you know what I mean, listening to them. And I remember doing music myself was never, it wasn't even like a possibility. And it, to go back to the Smiths, it weren't until I found the Smiths that I was like, because, you know, I can't sing like Robert Plant. I can't play guitar like Jimi Hendrix, do you know what I mean? I can't I can't write tunes like Stevie Wonder. And then when I heard the Smiths, I was like, oh, I can do this, though. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Fucking <laughs> ignorantly. <laughs> I was like, oh, they're talking about normal things yeah, and normal yeah, yeah. people and, like, you know. Uh, but, yeah, no, they, I, I had really, really good music, like Fleetwood Mac and stuff like that. Do you know what I mean? My mum and dad never really – I never really had that. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, like I was saying, I discovered my own sort of stuff, like with Eminem and the Smiths and loads of different people, do you know what I mean, growing up. But I never had that – rebellion against my mum and dad's music taste. I was always and still am really kind of into what they what yeah. we listened to growing up in the in, in my gaff, you know what I mean? Um they never really yeah, none of it was really was really ever that bad. I'm gonna ask you for track four to tell me the first uh record or I imagine C D uh yeah. you bought from a record shop. Okay. So I reckon this might have been maybe like a year before the M M&M explosion. But I think the first, the first CD I can remember buying was Queen, the greatest hits, uh, and I remember my old man took me to to get it. For, oh, it must be like I don't know HMV or something like that. Um, and because I'd heard, it's that sort of. I feel like it's almost like a cliche, but like I'd heard Bohemian Rhapsody for the first time in the in in the car on the radio, and I, I must have been maybe seven, and I was like like, what the fuck is that? Do you know what I mean? Like, it kind of blew my mind. Um, and my auntie, Lynn, she, she, I think she had it on CD because she used to drive me about and she'd play it to me over and over and over again. And I was so obsessed with it that, like, my dad had to go and buy me my own, my own, um, my own copy of the disc. And it had all of the, like, Queen's, I think the first, I think it's the first greatest hits. It has, like, Real like I just fell in love with all of their back catalogue. Like as all like Don't Stop Me Now and Fat Bottom Girls and We Are the Champions. It's like I think Under Pressure's on it. It is, yeah. Like really kind of I've always thought like if I'm ever lucky enough to have kids one day, like I think Queen would be one of the first sort of bands that I'd play them. I think they're so kind of over the top and dramatic. They're just they're really kind of um had an have an impression on you when you're a kid. They're so fun to listen to, do you know what I mean? And I sort of, um, I think I'm sure that's the first CD I ever bought. See, you, you mentioned Bamian Rhapsody and you, you mentioned Led Zeppelin, um, Fleetwood Mac and, and How Soon Is Now and I Want To Be Adored. And all of these singles are all five, six, seven minutes long. Yeah. Um, and, you know, things like Stairway and things like... Um, Bohemian Rhapsody, crazy structure all over the place. You know, mm. it's just an, it's. I mean, Bohemian Rhapsody is a, an album in a single. Um, yeah, possibly. You could but, be a fan of eight different parts of that song. Do you yeah, know what I mean, not yeah. like the other parts. But I'm going to sort of address this to you as as, as a young artist now. Yeah, you know, we're 
living in a world where attention spans seem to be getting shorter, um, mm. people are listening to music via TikTok and fast-moving thumbs. And when you approach songwriting, do you take into consideration the way that people are getting their music now and how they're discovering music? Um, or are you... I mean, you could be either or, or a bit of both, but, <clears throat> or are you an artist in regards to, well, if I write a song, I'll write a song and it is what it is, and if that happens to be seven minutes long and, you know, has a middle eight where the the choir starts singing Fandango, like, you know, I mean, what's your kind of stance on it? Do you know where I'm going with the question? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I get it completely. Um, and it's definitely been an eye-opener since... So I've been writing songs on my own in my bedroom for over 10 years now. And I've never, ever, I've never sort of had to think that way at all. Do you know what I mean? And then um, I signed my record deal, like, I can't even know how long it, you know what, like, because of the COVID thing, my concept of time is just absolutely fucked. I can't even remember if it was a year ago or like nearly two, I think. And since, yeah, and now I have other people involved that are like, well, can you not say that? Because that's, you know, that's never going to get on the radio if you say that. Or, you know, if you talk about violence, if you if you swear, if you talk about anything that's deemed kind of, uh, you know, not sort of, not, not, not appropriate for the radio. They, and... I, I, my job, I think, as an artist, and this might just sound like I'm trying to be cool, but I just try my best to ignore it. I try yeah. my best to ignore it because I think, and it's hard, it's, it's, it's virtually impossible sometimes, but it's, there's this amazing interview with Bowie. I don't know if you've ever seen it, but I can't remember what it's for, but I have to go back and watch it like maybe once a week because especially when I'm feeling a bit like, mm, like I feel like I'm being pulled from pillar to post with what, I, what I'm trying to do artistically. And he, he talks about um, when like creative people create art, which is, I don't like to say that's what I do because I feel like an absolute wanker. But like, <laughs> it's like, um, he's like, if you, if you create, it's like if you're creating art for, I think it I think the way he words it is like to the gallery, do you know what I mean? If you're if you're creating art for anyone other than yourself, that's when like an artist will create their worst work. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it really and he also talks about like I think the analogy he uses is like a swimming pool. He's like if you push yourself just enough into the deep end that your toes are not quite touching the surface, like out of your comfort uh, area, that's when you'll create your most sort of exciting work. Mm-hmm. And like, I, I try to, if I'm ever doubting myself or ever thinking, mm, you know, this song's five minutes long, should I cut out half a verse or should I, should I compromise with the kind of language that I'm using? The stories that I tell are, all true and sometimes are quite mm, maybe uncomfortable to listen to. And if I'm ever thinking, maybe, you know, should I be talking about this sort of thing? I'll go back and I'll, i watch that interview every time because, you know, I definitely worship David Bowie. And I think that's so, so accurate of, of the way the music world is at the minute. It's like, 
there, there's all there, – I mean, there's obviously the ones that break through the mould, and I think once you get to a level of success, you're kind of given free reign to do what you want sometimes, you know what I mean? Like, when I'm listening to people that are so successful, like Billie Eilish, who's, like, absolutely fucking huge, like, whatever she does is going to be number one and is going to mm-hmm. be on the radio simply because her name is attached to it. She can do whatever the fuck she wants, do you know what I mean? But when you're a young artist coming up, the kind of – the level – the the list of things that you've got to tick off to even get played on the radio is fucking like impossible. Do you know what yeah. I mean? And there's that thing of like you could do this, you could do all of that. Do you know what I mean? You could compromise every single second of your work, and at the end of it, you'll be left with this piece of shit song that you don't like, and it still might not get played anywhere. Yeah, so yeah. you might as well write and create the art that you want to create. And, you know, people, I'm not fucking number one. I'm not on the radio, but I've got an audience that come and sell out my shows and scream these these lyrics back to me that, you know, labels try and tell you are too kind of, are too controversial to talk about or they're too, you know what I mean? So it's, it's, I get, it might, might, I'm lucky in in the fact that I'm not writing pop music. I'm not writing music that, is designed to be on like the radio one playlists. Don't get me wrong. If my tunes went on there, it'd be fucking really handy. Do you know what I mean? But I can't do it. I just, I don't feel like I'm even capable of doing it. It's just not the, and I'm not like rebelling against, against doing it. I'm just sometimes don't feel even capable as a writer of, of creating that sort of stuff. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. But I get, I get how it is really hard to kind of shut them outside voices out. You know what I mean? And yeah, the songs that we're talking about, fuck me. If you said to today, oh, Bohemian Rhapsody, like this is the single. I think even back then in the seventies, it was still, it was really out yeah. there. Do you know what I mean? As a single. But now, oh, I wouldn't touch it with a shitty stick now. Do you know what I mean? No chance. No chance at all. <laughs> <laughs> but that, that Bowie interview, I can't remember what, what, what it is, but it's amazing. I'll definitely check that. It's amazing to listen to. There's that other one as well when he's talking to, is it Bill Paxman? No, what's his name? That politician guy, I don't know what his name is. And he's talking about the internet in the 90s. Crazy, that And is. it's fucking, it's like almost like he's having premonitions or something. Yeah. It's scary how accurate he is. Yeah. I just, yeah. Any, I, I could watch Bowie talk for hours yeah. every day. Do you know what I mean? I do most days, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> Track five. The song that soundtracked your years clubbing. Oh, yeah. This was quite a difficult one for me because, I mean, I did hit the clubs for a couple of years, but I was never... My mates are big clubbers, you know what I mean? Massive clubbers, massively into the music, massively into the scene, do you know what I mean? Um, And I was for a little while... I was massively into the drugs, to be honest. <laughs> but the music was never really my... Yeah. It was always a much... It was always a very separate lifestyle for me. Yeah. I would be at home every day, all day, listening to what I'd call my tunes. Weekend, meet me mates. We'd go out, whether it be raves or clubs or whatever. And it was... I'd have fun, don't get me wrong, but I was never... I'd never go home and listen to, like... Like all my mates would be like sending each other ass tunes and and like and club club mixes and stuff and I was just it was just never my cup of tea. Um, 
So I was trying to think of like a tune that make that took me back to those days. And like, I, I did I pick "Blinded by the Lights" by the Streets? Yes, I think that's what I ended up going for. Yeah, and it's because it's not because it was ever played in the clubs or anything like that. But it was almost it was always for me and my mates like a pre-drink anthem. Do you know what I mean? We used to put it on before we were going out, and it used to. Again, it was like almost like a musical sort of premonition of what was going to happen such, that night. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Naive. Oh, it's amazing. And I started, you know, I'm 29, so over 10 years ago, I feel like I was one of the last generations that really got to experience like going out underage. Do you know what I mean? Like I used to have fake IDs and like I used to borrow my cousin's passports to, I mean, kids probably still do it now, but I don't think you get away with like the fake IDs that I've got, I've still got them upstairs. How the fuck I got let in any? <laughs> yeah, oh, I look about seven as well. I look, <laughs> I'm fresh out of the womb in the pictures. But um, there was always like, because, because there was never a chance we were actually going to get in anywhere. There was always this like underlying sense of anxiety on on those sort of in them years when we were going out of clubbing do you know what yeah. I mean and it's not just lyrically in that tune like he manages they they captured like an atmosphere in it that okay. like it it's almost uncomfortable to listen to sometimes in a weird way it's like it puts me on edge and it takes me back to those those years where I'd be sort of getting right dressed up trying to look as old as I possibly can. Do you know what I mean? Spraying cheap shitty aftershave on me. And I was all having a couple of drinks and that, trying to get up the courage to walk up to a bouncer to, to be let in. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And that, it's that, that, that song, when I hear it now, it kind of takes me back to them, the sort of, those, those, those hours before going out. And also the, the, the feeling of being in the queue, waiting to get into somewhere, hoping that you ain't going to be absolutely fucking humiliated in front yeah. of like a, a queue full of strangers. Do you know what I mean? Um, but that song kind of, I remember like we used to, when we were really young, you know, like drinking in the park and that on the park benches and around the flats, that tune was played then. Do you know what I mean? And then in like the ass party years when you're like, 15, 16, and every weekend someone's got a gaff plot on the go. It was played then, do you know what I mean? And then, yeah, like in the sort of the raving and the clubbing years, it was always played at a pre-drink. So it kind of, it makes it takes me back to all of them sort of uh, them years when I was just discovering kind of going out of my mates, yeah, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. But it's de- yeah, there's definitely, there's an energy in that song that's like, it is, it's like a masterpiece, I think, that yeah. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't it really is. For track six, I'm going to take you. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program. And I'm going to ask you uh, for a favorite song from an artist from your home county, please. Okay, cool. I got. I'm not even gonna lie. I got confused with what a county was. I thought it was like. <laughs> I was thinking. I was like, because at first I thought it was just like it would be someone from the Angel where I lived. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. the only band from the Angel that I could find was Spandau Ballet, mm-hmm. and they they got some bangers. But I sort of I don't know if I cheated, but I just made it North London. Yep, that's fine. So that I could have Amy Winehouse. Yeah, I really love Amy. Uh, and I picked, um, I think I picked Love is a Losing Game. Oh, yeah. I just, it like, it's another, I'm a bit of a mopey. I quite like being emotional, do you know what I mean? And like, music really is like, probably one of the only ways. I think maybe film as well, where that, that can affect me emotionally, do you know what I mean? The only form of art, I guess. I keep I go to galleries and stare at paintings and fuck all happens. You know what I mean? I just can't get into it. <laughs> but like, yeah, that song is just like I said with Bittersweet Symphony. You got them tunes that you go to when you wanna, you want your mood lifted. You know what I mean? And then you got them tunes you go to when you're like, oh, I just think I want to have a little bit of an emotional moment and just be a bit miserable for a while. And Love Is a Losing Game is one of them for me. I just think it's absolutely beautiful. I think I mean. The, no, them for them two albums are pretty flawless in in my mind. Do you know what I mean? I always think like if you didn't know who she was, and and you came across them them tunes, you'd think you'd kind of discovered some sort of hidden gem. Do you know what I mean? Like 100%. from the fifties or something. It's like I feel like I could play my nan them tunes, and yeah. she would think they were from her era or something. Do you know what I mean? Like I, I just think they're. Yeah, class, I, man. I remember, like, because um, I, I weren't massive on the on the the first Frank, wasn't it? The first album, mm. and like, and I it's not as like hooky and that is it. It's more no. like a, a jazz album, I guess. And it was like, then I heard her on. I was driving home one night and I heard her on a radio station, and yeah. and she was just picking records, and like, and mm. she wasn't super famous then, you know. Yeah. Like the the the, the mega stardom hadn't happened. You know, she'd had, I guess, relative success with that debut album. Yeah. Um, but she was picking, like, songs by The Angels and The Ronettes 
uh, and the Shangri-Las, and I was just thinking, all oh, right, she's writing to like the girl group stuff, and like, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then I remember hearing Rehab for the first time, and I was like, holy shit, this is good, yeah. and like, and I was like, who is this? And I was like, oh, that's that girl that was on the thing that done that other thing that I weren't massively fussed over. Ah, yeah. Mark Ronson's got his mitts on this as well. And it was like, fucking hell. It just, when that second record come out, it's a masterpiece. There's there's yeah. nothing missing from that record at all. No. No, yeah, it, it, it really is. It's, it's unbelievable. He, uh, I got to see it alive as well. At, um, I can't remember what festival it was. And it was, you know, it was sad, sadly, luckily, obviously, for me as a listener, but it, it was just, it, it felt like before she'd just completely kind of gone off the rails, shot I me mean, yeah. for one better word. And she, she was unbelievable. Her voice was fucking just class, do you know what I mean? Yeah. And it felt like a, a voice that, like, you'd known forever. Do you know what I mean? Like, it felt like, I don't know. It just, and I, I always think if you look at that period of music, there comes afterwards, there comes so many artists that are trying to sound like she is. Do you know what I mean? She's one of them artists that kind of set off a trend of everyone being like, oh, we need it to sound like Amy Winehouse. Do you know what I mean? And no one comes close to it. Do you know what I mean? Not at all, like vocally or production-wise, because obviously... Mark Ronson's a genius. Visually but, uh, as well, just her style, everything yeah, about yeah. it was just like, you mm. you know, you was, you, you'd stop and stare at her if she was walking down the street anyway, like, yeah. because she looked so definitive and, and interesting, yeah. and then... Also, like, from another era, isn't it? Absolutely. It feels like she was, like, time-travelled to, to the present day. And before she even sings a note, when she starts talking, you're like, oh, she talks like me and my mates. Yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. she talks like where we're from. This is this is even this is yeah. incredible. Then she sings and it's like holy shit! Like yeah. that's just different level. It's unbelievable. I remember. I think it's Russell Brown telling a story about her, about Harry sort of knew her just from like being around Camden, mm. but not. And her always saying to him like, "I'm a singer," like you're saying, like talking like normal people, and him being like. Yeah, like, are you really? Do you know what I mean? And then one day, him hearing her sing on the TV and being like, oh, my God. Like, I, didn't, I thought she was just, like, chatting shit. You know what yeah. I mean? <laughs> like, she, yeah. I'd love to have met her, man. I've got, like, a few pals that, like, knocked about with a few people that she knows and, like, had sort of nights out with her and, and always said that she was just, like, an absolute blinder. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. And it's just so fucking sad, really. Because uh, I think that's she was probably just scratching the surface of what she oh, was going to do musically. Mate. Do you know what I mean? She was hundred percent. She was only she was so young. Do you know what I mean? But like that, yeah, that that tune. There's actually a live performance of it. Again, this is going to be as useless as the Bowie thing because I can't remember what it is. But like, there's a version of her singing it just in one take. That love is a losing game, and it's just like unbelievable. Like, it's just fucking, actually just smashes it. Yeah. And then I think afterwards she's like, oh, that was a bit shit, wasn't it? Or something, you know what I mean? Like, something like that. Like just... Is that on the documentary? 
It might, yeah, it's it might in the be. studio. And yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah, and yeah, I yeah. Think she's putting that down. I'm sure Ronson's like, fucking hell. She's like, yeah. Ah. Yeah, like she's completely unaware yeah. that everyone outside of that booth has just had like a moment. You know what I mean? She's <laughs> yeah. got, it completely goes over her head that like she's yeah. just nearly brought the whole room to tears. You know what I mean? Yeah. Love, I fucking love that. Well, you get to play Tastemaker for the last track. And uh, yeah. I'm going to ask you to tell us a song that you think many people may not know that you would like them to hear. Okay. Oh, you know what? Is it, can I change my mind? Could change my pick. Because as well, talking about Mark Ronson, this is, he's produced me last two tracks. So this, there's this girl that I really like at the minute and she's only just put her album out. Her name's Yeba. Have you heard of her? No. So it's like, her name's Yeba. So it's like Abby spelt backwards. But she's, um, she's this like American vocalist and um, me and my best mate who I, I write some music with are both sort of like obsessed with like we'll send each other like oh listen to this person sing this listen to this person sing that do you know what I mean we'll send each other like bootlegs from like fucking Aretha Franklin and and uh, like Marvin Gaye from the 70s and stuff like that and like oh listen to this note you know what I mean we're kind of vocal geeks or whatever and my mate sent me this girl she did I think it's like a Sofa Sands and she sings this song I can't remember what it's called but it's like the most unbelievable vocal performance like it kind of took the the internet over it was like about five years ago maybe and she's um she's like a she's like a gospel singer. She comes from like I can't remember like I'm, I'm sure it's like deep south in America or whatever. Her dad's like a pastor, like a pastor. I can't say that in my accent. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, it sounds it sounds like a Tory ordering a pastor, doesn't you? It's pastor. <laughs> um, um, it's it, she's and she's like learnt to sing in church, but she's she's got a re- it's it's a really sort of tragic story. Like her mum like sadly killed herself and she she found her basically and this album that she's just put out the whole album is just about her mum and it's it's fucking so beautiful like some of the tunes in it but there's this one song in particular called October Sky and it's like it just I was like oh this is insane because it's like it reminds me of something like lyrically and melodically it's almost like something that Paul Simon would have written do you know what I mean it's like quite different from what I expected her to sort of bring out, and then matched with these vocals that she's just like an absolute beast at doing. It's like a, it's a. Uh, it was like one of them tunes that I, every every now and again, like I hear a song and I'm like, I fucking wish I wrote that. You know what I mean? I'd love to write something like that. And she, yeah, her name's Yeba. I think the album's called Yawn, but she's massive. But like. I feel like it's mostly in America or that she's got this kind of niche, very kind of loyal audience. Yeah. Not one that I meet over here, unless you kind of move in them sort of circles, really knows who she is. Mm. So that's, that's, that's a, a recommendation that I'd, I'd put out there for people to listen to. Well, we put together a, a Spotify playlist to accompany the podcast. So uh, that'll feature on there alongside all the other tracks that we've, we've spoken uh, about today. So, the rest of 2021 is going to be a much more connected and, and happy and positive and creative space than yeah. the last, uh, you know, the, the beginning of the year and last year. So with that in mind, mate, what are you looking forward to from the rest of this year personally and what's happening professionally? Um, personally, I'm just the, we've started having family parties again, like I spoke about, you know, and all crying to my way. So that, I, 
the novelty of being able to be in a room with everyone again, having a blinder, even the novelty of just going down the pub with my mates still yeah. hasn't really worn off on me, I think because yeah. I struggled so much through the lockdowns. So being surrounded by my friends and family and just having good times as frequently as possible is kind of all that I'm, I'm aiming to do for the rest of my life now. <laughs> <laughs> and professionally, same sort of thing. Like I'd literally last month, Finally got to play my first two shows in like, well, it's been like two years, I think. How was that? Oh, unbelievable, man. I was absolutely shitting myself. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I just thought, it felt like everything I'd ever learned about being a live performer had just been unlearned and forgotten about. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I felt like a fucking rusty antique or something that had been sat on a shelf. Uh, but it was, it was, um, yeah, two nights I played at like the St. Pancras Church in King's Cross. And, um, yeah, it was just like the crowd. Would ju- yeah, that's the thing. As excited as as I am as an artist and, you know, the other artists I know are to get back to performing at gigs, the crowds are just ready for it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. They were fucking, you know what I mean? They were having a party before I even walked out on stage. Do you know what I mean? So that that's, that's my plan professionally. We're just starting to sort of put in some dates doing a little a UK tour just of like little little pub venues and stuff like that just going right back to sort of basics which is exciting for me um, to get out there and play for people but also meet people do you know what I mean afterwards have drinks with people that sort of shit um, and I'm releasing another EP in the next couple of weeks I'm not 100% sure We're slightly delayed because of me having COVID we've had to sort of put a few things back but mm-hmm. now I'll be back on track to getting it out before the end of the year so it's yeah I'm just kind of excited to be doing stuff do you know what I mean I'll do I'll do anything now do you know what I mean like people ring me up they're like oh do you want to come and I'll, I'll go for a walk with anyone do you know what I mean <laughs> <laughs> just getting out of the ass is still the novelty of that still hasn't worn off for me you know what I mean especially now after having COVID it felt like I was back in lockdown so I had to fucking sit in bed for 10 <clears> days <throat> but I'm just being out and about seeing people <clears throat> playing shows you know what it is so um, if people do want to go for a walk with you or go and watch one of these yeah. shows where's the best place to keep up to speed uh, I'm dying you're right <laughs> Oh no, I'm worried now. I'm worried you've got COVID. God, I'll give it to you over, over, over the, over the <coughs> Zoom. Um, just, just uh, Louis Dunford on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, just the usual shit. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm all over social media. Uh, they're the best places, really. To find out. <coughs> you have to come see me live and have Louis, to listen to the tunes. We'll tag you in everything uh, when this comes out. Um, best of luck with Amazing, the gigs. Man. Best of luck with the EP. It's been an absolute joy talking records thanks, with you, mate. mate. My first ever podcast, so thanks for being so nice. Oh, it's been a blast, man. I really enjoyed it. Cheers, brother. Wicked to meet you. There you go. It's all right. I've uh, I've disappeared out in the garden, had a little cough, had a locket, old school cough suite, sorted myself out, and, uh, and I'm back for the outro. <clears throat> Clear my throat just a little bit, just in case. Don't want any more of that. Thanks loads for listening, people. Um, Louis was an absolute delight. Um, it's always nice when when people turn up on the podcast that 
that are from your sort of neck of the woods, and uh, and they they you know they've, uh, they they talk uh, the same talk. It's uh, it's always quite. Uh, it feels like coming home uh, when you hear you know accents like your own. So uh, it was lovely to chat to him uh, today. Um, and yeah, go follow him uh, on the socials as he mentioned. Uh, go check out the uh, the music that's available. Um, go check out the Spotify playlist, and then also go check out the back catalogue of this podcast. Um, if you see us anywhere on the socials, please give us a like, love, share, retweet, tell your mates. Um, and yeah, and if you want to support us even more, then we have a Patreon, um, and it's p a t r e o m patreon dot com forward slash off the beat and track. You can find out about everything to do with back catalogs and Patreons and radio shows and video episodes at your one stop shop off the beat and track podcast dot com. That's beat and not beaten. Uh, off the beat and track podcast dot com. That's me done. I'll see you next time. Take care. Bye-bye. It's Off The Beat and Track Podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. With me, Stu Whipping. Hey,